Hello, my name is Tyler Chisholm, and welcome to a special episode of Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I find myself here today having an interesting conversation with my guest, John Waikoko. How are you, John? Excellent. Thank you. Excellent. John was was the general was it the general manager? Is that the right term? That's correct. For Car to Go in Calgary. Yep. And when it comes to current and critical, we're it's not as current because I think it was October thirty first, so we're a, we're a month now out from when uh, from when unfortunately you guys had to shut down. That is correct. As far as critical, I personally believe that this is a loss to our city, and I've had a lot of conversations, which I think was maybe a little bit more gossipy and a little bit more like, "Why well, this is what I think happened. So when I had the opportunity, and actually Alex Pudisi, my last guest on Current and Critical, he said that you were the guy to talk to. So I'd love to hear a little bit. First of all, how did you get involved in it? Then let's get into like right into what happened. So were you there from the beginning? I was. So I started in April of 2012, and then I helped set everything up for our launch in July of 2012. So it was just over seven years that Cartago was in the city of Calgary. Officially in Calgary. And you worked. You were involved with Cartago in Toronto before that, is that correct? Uh, I was involved with Toronto after, but okay. I did them oh, okay. concurrently. Oh, interesting. Okay, fantastic. And what was your, is that? Your is your background in ride sharing? Uh, my background at that point, I had worked at Enterprise Rent a Car, uh, whether oh, as an okay. assistant manager or branch manager. But I've done construction. I've done executive compensation consulting. So all of those things combined led me to Car to Go. Excellent. So when you got involved in Car to Go, it had already they'd gone through the testing phase. They'd already gone through the kind of the trial phase in Calgary. You came in to actually do the launch. That's correct. And if I remember back at the time, it was my memory of it. Remembering is that all of a sudden they weren't, and then they were everywhere. Everyone was talking about it. It felt like it was a bit of an overnight success. Was that how it was? That how it went down behind the scenes? Oh, absolutely. When you look at how many people signed up within sixty or ninety days, you're talking about over thirty thousand. When we thirty thousand people in the yeah. first sixty, wow, that's yeah. awesome. We were at first we were 150 vehicles. They had always told me temper your expectations. You guys will be maybe the smaller city because you don't fit the profile of what makes car sharing successful. You're not Vancouver. You're not maybe a New York city or, okay. or something. And somewhere that, super was that population dense? dense? Okay. Yeah. Population density is what they went for. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then they brought us into the picture because they're like, okay, the fourth largest city in Canada, we need to be here. When we launched, not only did we have a really great marketing plan, we executed well, we proved to a lot of people that cities like Calgary are much more forward-thinking than they thought we were. That's they thought perhaps you know we were quote-unquote backwater just because we live in this oil and gas city, but they failed to see what was hiding underneath the veil. So when the veil got lifted, all of a sudden... It was 150 cards, then 225, then 300, then 350, then 400, 450, 500, 600, 650. So we just kept growing and growing. And and there was a lot of success because there was a need. People in Calgary needed to get from point A to point B. And we helped fulfill uh, maybe some of the gaps left behind, either whether... They, we could fill public transit or, you know, first and last mile is really where it was. Back to the first and last mile. Did you guys have a profile? Was it a younger ride? I'm just curious. Was, was it all across the board? Like, how did you guys break down in terms of just, like, who was using your service? Definitely anyone from, like, 18 to, you know, however old. Yes, however but old if you're still driving. In, generally speaking, yeah, when we look back, you could probably really look at maybe 25 to 45 or 50 is probably your main demographic 
when it comes to these types of services because of the familiarity with apps, the ease of it all, and just growing up with it. So it's not something necessarily scary, but uh, something more intriguing to try. Yeah, and a little less of a barrier. Technology, there's, it's not a fear. It's not a barrier. It's exactly. just like, I got to figure this out. You take a few steps, and I remember it being fairly seamless. Yeah. So what were some of the biggest challenges you guys had on your... on your? Because it sounds like things were rapid growth. I remember everyone in the city like, oh, what a great idea. I, it was like, I should have thought of that. I heard yeah. that a lot. Did you guys have any barriers? Was it working with the city? Was it just keeping up with the growth? What was your biggest challenges as you guys were really getting a foothold here? Originally, it was, it was great because you could grow rapidly. It was we need more cars and our parent company said, okay, sure. When, what we noticed that happened though is because these are blue and white, they're super easy to see. They would park, you know, three, four, five at a time. And so then all of a sudden you started to get the complaints from people who didn't either use us or didn't understand how it was working. They thought perhaps Car2Go employees were parking them there because that's where, you know, people need them later. But the reality is 97, 98% of the time, it's the cus- consumer or the customer of car to go who's parking it because they used it to get to work or, and then someone else is going to use it at lunch and someone else is using it, um, <clears throat> excuse me, later on in the day. I mean, there are times where cars could be used 10, 20 times in a single day. Oh, Much interesting. More, I was curious what kind of usage you guys had yeah, on one vehicle. Like, it, it all, when it all averaged out, sure, you know, uh, it, it could be anywhere between 6 to 20 times. Interesting. But it really, it shows you the power of a shared vehicle and the fact that you don't need to own a vehicle to move around the city anymore. To get the benefits and the, and the privilege of the, well, the sharing economy isn't, isn't going away. Absolutely not. So fast forward, you're 600 cars, things are going great. You guys have been here for seven years. Did, I'm curious, just from a business, did it start to go through, like, I guess maybe let's jump to the end of, what were some of the key reasons why, from your perspective, that they decided to leave the city? When you really look at everything, I mean, it was a perfect storm of things going, unfortunately, not our way. You had a recession happening inside of the city, inside of the province, and it it deeply affected the downtown core. A lot of our members and renters were from the downtown core. So even if you, it, unfortunately, you know, maybe if it's a reduction of 30,000 people, which, which is a lot when you compare it to the total, yes. um, you know, maybe it's 10% or between five and 10% of the total people you lose. When you lose 30,000 people and maybe only 10% of them are using your service, maybe once or twice a week, you're talking anywhere between three and 6,000. And then all of a sudden you multiply that by, you know, 52, 52 weeks. weeks a year. So you get up, your, your numbers really start to creep up. And then you, you have other things, costs start to... Costs don't typically go down. In don't business. go down, no, yeah. No, they don't, unfortunately. And for us, cost of parking was a very huge factor in okay. terms of... It was one of our major cost drivers. And I've heard that. That was a bit one of the, the stories I heard going around on the street when you guys made the announcement that you were going to be leaving and everyone's like, oh, it's because of parking, it's because of parking. That absolutely was one of the factors. Yep. It was one of the factors. It wasn't the only factor, yes, don't I get me wrong, yeah. uh, because there's nothing anyone could have done about the recession. It is what it is. Yes, And then you also have things like 
the cost of vehicles, right? We went from a smart car to uh, a Benz. The cost is going to be different just to run it. Of course. Just on an operational And was that, what was the, do you have any optics on, obviously that would have come down from the top. What were the, some of the main, I guess, drivers or ideas behind offering just bigger vehicles, just giving people more variety and what they're able to, to share? Exactly. And okay. one of the things that we actually also noticed is that as we grew older, so did our members. All of a sudden they <laughs> none, went... None of us are getting any younger. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you go from, you know, maybe it's you and your your partner or your spouse, and then all of a sudden you have a child. Yeah, if you look at seven years, you have, you're a young couple in your 20s, yep. and all of a sudden five years later, well, maybe we're having a baby. Yep. And, you know, the, the smart cars were a little bit more challenging that way. I'm exactly. Assuming, they go groceries and Ikea and, and, and. Exactly. <laughs> okay. And so, it, so what we realized is you needed to also offer something else. And because we were owned by Mercedes-Benz, it made sense to have Mercedes-Benz. And people really enjoyed driving them. Mm-hmm. It also provided an opportunity to see what it was like to drive a Mercedes-Benz. Of course. Benz, it's, so. I, for, as a marketer, I appreciate the brand, behind the story behind that of like experiential, get people in your vehicles. Exactly. Yeah. Because you're right, driving a Mercedes for some people would be like, oh, it's, it's a Mercedes. Absolutely. And I remember when they first came in, there was a bit of buzz around that. Like, yep. hey, have you seen the new car to go? They're great. I've driven one. I liked it. That kind of a thing. So I'm assuming, obviously, there's benefit there. So interesting. So you say you guys had about 140,000. Was that your peak? 140,000 yep. members? That's right. And you said active was maybe, was there 50,000, 60,000 people actually using it on a regular basis? I mean, it just depends on how you want to view it. But yeah, if yeah. you, if not everyone's going to use you all the time. Of course. Um, I'm just trying yeah. to think of the impact, like in terms of, I love it because I'm sitting here, when I hear the story, it was like, how did it affect me? But now let's step back and look at our city, which is yeah. what this podcast is arguably all about. Yeah. There could be 40, 50, 60,000 people mm-hmm. that now had to change their mobility decisions. That's right. Um, That's a very real impact. No, definitely. When you think about it, people are relying on a service to get from point A to point B. Well, all of a sudden, you can no longer use the service. And you are looking at, well, what else can I use? Can I use transit? Can I use Uber? And then you cost it out and you time it out and you're like, okay, maybe I need to buy a car now. When we were looking at it, we saw that our members were letting us know, you know, upwards to almost 20% said, we we stopped buying a car or we sold an additional car. Went down to become a one, a one a car to go, one car family. Like exactly. we have our main, but we, everything for everything else, we use car to go. Yeah, we use car to I go. I heard that from a lot of friends, especially in the Beltline where a lot of my friends live. That was a main source. I had a buddy who didn't have a car for two years and he did the math and it was costing him a fraction of what it was going to cost to own a car. Exactly. Because you can supplement it, whether if it's, you know, you choose to use car to go, Uber, Maybe you chose to use Lime, your feet, mm-hmm. all of a sudden... <laughs> your feet or your you bicycle know, yeah. are an option, yeah. Yeah, you're all of a sudden realizing you can do without a second car. You can make that life work and you choose to make that. But now with us gone, or with car to go gone, I should say specifically, yes. it makes it much more difficult. You do need that second car because it is a lot more difficult to get around the city. Well, I think they almost pulled the Lime scooters in almost like within the week or two of when you guys were like, timing-wise. So those are gone off the street yep. for this winter. Yep. I think, I'm not sure if the bikes are still around. I haven't I haven't noticed one recently, but I know the scooters are gone for sure. Yep. Because the other day I wanted to grab one when it was nice out and there was none. Yep. So that, you know, back to the last mile, which is a lot of what you hear talking about when you even like the transit system, there's still that, how do I get from there to my work? Did Lime have a big impact on your guys or, or was the decision already made at that point? Mm. 
No, uh, when Lime first came in, there was they didn't have an impact on Cardigo. Okay. Uh, not that not one that was one you could tangibly see. What we found was that a lot of it was complementary. Okay. Which makes it ended sense. up, you know, oh, okay, I'm not going to take Lime from, you know, maybe 17th Ave, uh, maybe to Chinook Center. I'll take a car to go. Yes. But in the reverse, maybe I won't take it from, you know, 17th and 5th over to 10th and 5th. You know, you're only going to go seven blocks and you maybe need to get there relatively quickly. So you just kind of chose what worked best for you. It was a very different tool for a different... Like, exactly. I know myself, oh, I got to go for a quick meeting downtown. I wouldn't have got a car to go. But if there's a Lime scooter parked in front of my office, I almost can't not. Because yeah. <laughs> it's kind of fun as well. Yeah. That's interesting. So not as much of an impact in terms of how that may or may not have affected the decision. That's correct. So parking, obviously, and curious, getting into the weeds of a bit, did you guys have conversations with the city? Did you did, did you try to make it work? Because now let's talk about the future, because unfortunately, car to go is gone. I really hope that the city can see itself clear and another provider can come back in. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't all of a sudden, you know, hey, city, right? we're going to be... Uh, you, you need to shape up or we're going to ship out. We're talking about years of building relationships, years of having discussions around the the structure of policy. And a policy needs to be one where it's very much a partnership. And we worked well with the city. And the city worked well with us. Well, seven years is a long, that's a long working relationship yep. from a, we'll just call it, because you guys were partners. Yep. Mm. Uh, but when it came down to things such as costs, those were big factors as to why Cardigo would have left. Okay. And if, when you really think of how it all works out, I mean, Cardigo helped reduce vehicle kilometers traveled. It helped reduce just overall congestion. And they still ended up having to pay the same retail rates as everybody mm-hmm. else. There was no discount. Uh, you know, if, if a normal Calgarian could get it, that is exactly what Cardigo was able to get. Right. Which at face value, I guess, kind of makes sense like, yep. to just look at it for what it is. But if we're if you guys were absolutely elevating the quality of life in this city, there there could be easily an argument made that there should be some advantages to support you and encourage you to continue providing that amazing service. Exactly, and the the best thing was that UC Berkeley had done a study on Cardigo and car sharing, and Calgary was by and far the one who was able to have the best reduction in personally owned vehicles between, you know, up to 11 cars were displaced of personal vehicles for every car to go vehicle there was. So you're talking 600 cars. So you're at least for every car to go to, uh, for every one, it was one to 11. Yeah. That's a significant impact. It was huge. And the thing is, it wasn't a study done by us. It wasn't a yes. study done by car to go if, is... if you read far enough down and you find the fine print when it's yeah. done by the company, you're a little bit skeptical, but that was done by a, an independent third party yeah. that was just looking to find whatever they found. I mean, you're talking about UC Berkeley. Yes. This is an institution... Beyond reproach from a credibility perspective. Exactly. So you should... Uh, when we produced that and provided that, it was, oh, this is very nice to have. Thank you for sending it to us. But unfortunately, it didn't really move the needle. Interesting. And, and maybe it's perhaps because on a holistic front, it's still a very small piece. When you look at all the travel 
throughout Calgary. But when you think about it, it it really does have a big effect on it all. It's interesting to hear the scope and scale. And like you said, it's only one piece, but usually it changes a significant, a series of pieces. You know, we look for the big, like just earth shattering thing that's going to change it all, but it's not. It's a series of small things that usually add up to an impact. Yeah. And Cardigo is definitely one of the things that, you know, it's a piece of the puzzle to help us reduce maybe our greenhouse gas footprint, or it allows people to have alternative modes of transportation which unfortunately now in the city we have one less of. I know, it's a choice. And I talk with a lot of people on this show and, and on collisions about transformation and a lot of the tech startups I'm talking to, they're talking about bringing talent to the city. To me, this is a bit of a black eye against a profile of like, oh, move to Calgary, we're super modern, but we don't have car sharing. I'd be like, what? You don't have what? <laughs> you know, in Calgary, I think we're already fighting a little bit of that reputation sometimes of being, like you said, originally backwater. I don't think of Calgary that way. But when you travel abroad, you're like, oh, you guys, you guys have the stampede and you do oil and gas, right? And all of a sudden go, I'm thinking about moving here and I start looking at, you know, my wife and I live in downtown Toronto and we want to move here and you don't have car sharing. That's going to be a negative for sure. Cause now I have to bank on the cost of actually buying a new vehicle. Yeah. And then to get around the city, you're trying to figure out where can I go? How do I get there? And if the personal car or Uber mm-hmm. are your only two options, you may think twice uh, before, you know, finalizing your decision and yeah, it gets very difficult. It's. It, I think about so many just easy decisions where it's like, oh, check check the map. Oh, there's a car to go by the house. Great. Let's grab a car to go. We'll go downtown. Then we'll get a cab. We'll get an Uber later to come yep. home. Like you had multiple options. Yep. So scenario, you're brought in as a consultant. The city wants to know what we need to do to be a better partner for a new car sharing service down the road. Anything's on that list for you? What's what, what should they be thinking about? When it comes down to it, how do we partner together to help maybe reduce some of the burden or the costs specifically, especially around parking, because it can be a very big chunk of the expenses when it comes to operating a car sharing model in the city. Mm -hmm. So that is one of the biggest things. I mean, policy around that policy that shows, okay, we are moving forward. We know that we need to change the way we've done things. We can't always do it. We can't be afraid to do things just because it's quote-unquote with a private company. If that company is providing a benefit to the city, then it's worth it. And we need to put our foot forward with this regard because we know that ultimately Calgarians, their quality of life and everything that happens around it, it gets better. I like what you said about like don't don't be afraid to partner with a private company because I do believe private enterprise has a big play in everything we do going forward. But how do we stop being on opposite sides of the table so aggressively? Yeah, uh, that's really interesting feedback. So also, I know Car to Go pulled out of a few other cities, yep. and I'd obviously that wasn't your preview. Do you see what do you see in terms of the trends around this sharing economy? Is car sharing? I, I'm not even going to say is car sharing going away because that's ridiculous. <laughs> I can't even say that with a straight face. Is it changing? Is the landscape becoming more competitive for those types of providers? Or do you have any optics on maybe the broader view from thirty thousand or global? However high we have to get up to see the whole thing. <laughs> any thoughts on that? Because obviously you were living and breathing that for seven seven years plus. Yeah. When we look at it from a global footprint down to maybe like a North American. Uh, footprint. It's a lot of education still, especially in North America. When you compare it to Europe, who's okay. had it for you know decades now, they they get it. They understand it. The places are a little tighter, so they understand. Okay, maybe owning a vehicle's not the way to go, but I can yeah, get around. Yeah, dealing with high density, exactly old cities. You can't. You know, you're not. You're not 
parking your F three fifty out by your house. Like it's, just you not, can't. it's not an option. Yeah. There's, there's no space. You can park your bicycle even then. It's a challenge sometimes. Absolutely. So, but when you look at it for North America, bringing there's still a lot of opportunity. Okay. In Canada and in the U.S. and because of that, there's a lot of ability to make way with car sharing, but it, it's a matter of execution and working with with each city. It's always different. Their priorities and trying to figure out their priorities and working with them, whether it's a permit price or if it's right of way or how long can you park for. There's You come with the same obstacles against every city, but every city has a different way of viewing the solution to the obstacle. Very much the culture of that city, how collaborative they are, how open they are to the impact on their on their citizens, so many different factors. Correct. Yeah, you're, it's like you're dealing with a bunch of different partners and they all are trying to accomplish the same goal from a different set of beliefs. Yeah. Which yeah. is really just human interaction, right? Absolutely. At the end of the day. Yeah. Is there a consolidation happening across the car share industry? Someone I chatted to, and of course you get all these little snippets. Someone said, well, you know what? There's all these players that came into the market. There is some consolidation happening. Things are moving around. I didn't have any more optics on that than just that person's perspective. Is anything on that side that you've seen? Yeah, there, I mean, there is definitely either consolidation of th- either through partnerships or perhaps through mergers and acquisitions. Uh, from my understanding, when we talk about Car2Go, Car2Go used to be owned by Mercedes-Benz primarily. And BMW had their own version called Reach Now or Drive Now, depending on where you were. And then they joined forces and created Share Now. And so, uh, okay, that's, so the person's story had these elements in it. You so, know, okay. so yeah, so yeah. It, they become two different opposing forces to become one company. And in Canada, we're looking at what Commune Auto, you know, they became partners with Pogo up in Edmonton. Okay. Uh, so they are, I believe, the primary owner of Pogo now. Okay. Uh, and so Edmonton has car sharing and we don't, just to be clear. That is correct. <laughs> uh, that is no good. If that doesn't get Calgary inspired up, I don't know what will. <laughs> Any advice for Calgarians? Is it reach out to your council or is it get involved? Or Because again, I don't know anybody that's happy about this idea. Like right. Everyone feels like it's a sense of loss. No one's like, great, get them off the street. I did not hear that from anybody I've talked to. Is there anything we can do as individuals? Because it's nice to sit back and complain, but I'm an action-oriented kind of guy. <laughs> is there anything we can do? Is it, is it write a sternly worded letter or what, what would you recommend? Hmm. I, telling your counselor that you support car share is always a good step forward because if there is another player out there who is willing to come forward, then it tells them, okay, my constituents, yes, they view this as important. And what we need to do is perhaps create policy or regulation that allows for car sharing to flourish a little bit more. Right. Whether it's a price reduction or some sort of relief, maybe it's on the parking. So you can't park for, in many cities, actually, the two-hour parking time frame or whatever it is, at any of those zones, yeah. car share companies are allowed to park beyond there because of the benefit that they provide ultimately. Which seems obvious for you, you know? chatting here now, not to oversimplify. But. Yeah. So it allows, you know, so if a car's there for two hours and 45 minutes, it doesn't get, you know, an overtime ticket from any of the cities uh, versus perhaps here, you would still get that ticket at this time. So it would be very helpful uh, on many fronts to have that relief to help them, especially at the beginning, to show, okay, yes, we believe car share is a positive for the city of Calgary. And we know because we've seen it before. Yeah. So 
because if I'm going to come in here, I've already seen one of the major players pull out. If I'm going to come in, I'm going to have some real checklists of things I need to have to meet my criteria to reduce my risk. Absolutely. Because I'm sure the cab companies are okay with the loss. I'm sure Uber's okay with the loss. <laughs> you know, if you look at it, there's always somebody who's, who's okay with it. Yeah. But I think of the masses, you've got 140,000 members. Even if half those people, a third of those people are using it on a regular basis, that yep. has a massive impact with, with the numbers. Yeah, if you have maybe even 10,000 people using only 600 cars weekly, yes. that, I mean, that's a lot of sharing that's happening between them and they're using it quite well. So it really tells you how it's impacting their lives. Well, and especially right before winter and the weather changes, there's so yeah. many things that make it really, really, really hit home. Well, John, thanks for coming on today. I really appreciate your candor and getting and digging through some of the, maybe the rumor mill that's been out there. And at the same time, I think this is incredibly, as the city that we are and the city we want to portray ourselves to be, I think car sharing needs to be part of that story. So citizens rise up get out there talk to your counselor be part of the conversation and uh, create change don't take it lying down don't take it sitting down yep John thank you so much I appreciate our chat excellent thank you take care